So I still remember when I was, I believe I was 15 years old, and my mother came up to me and she told me that my father had committed armed robbery, and that meant that we were going to lose the home we lived in, the townhouse we were in. It meant I was going to have to leave the school that I was in. It meant that my mother, right after she told me, had an emotional breakdown and um, couldn't really function for three months. It meant each one of my siblings, we all went to different homes. Um, And you know who took care of us? The church. A woman in the church took my mother and let her live in her living room for three months broken down, emotionally broke down, because she didn't know what to do because my father had gone to jail and he was the provider of the family. He cared for the family. We lived in the townhouse we lived in because he did maintenance in the complex. So we got a free townhouse. All of a sudden, everything, she was a stay-at-home mom, cared for the kids. All of a sudden, everything was gone. Each one of My siblings, I have a brother and sister. We went to different homes. You know who took care of my brothers, my brother and my sister? Members of the church. And I still remember this day. We finally got, after three months, we all came back together and we got an apartment in Lynn. On the third floor, no AC. It was so hot in the summer. We had AC in the townhouse. You understand me? And on the third floor, hot as could be, we had like no furniture. We just had one of those TVs you rolled around. This was the 90s. I thought it was, I thought we were up to date. And people continued to care for us. I remember one thing specifically. There was an affluent woman in our church who had money. Her husband ran a successful business. And she gave a bag of clothes to my mom, all expensive clothes. And my mom grew up in the 70s when Diana Ross was queen. So there was a fur coat in there. She put on that fur coat, and she was like, what you got? And I just remember my mom being so happy in that moment. I remember the love of God and the witness of the gospel that the church came around my family and loved my mom in the hardest time of her life. And not only did it care for my mom and it cared for her children, It also was a gospel witness that the world cannot ignore. Do you guys hear me? When we care for those who can't care for themselves, it is a gospel witness that no one can ignore. Words can be so empty sometimes, but when you take action, people see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to talk about today is how the church is called to care for widows. But I want to contextualize it because many single moms and many divorced women find themselves suffering the same plight as widows. So just like widows who their husband dies and all of a sudden they're like, how am I going to survive financially? How am I going to care for my kids? How am I going to go on? These single moms who fathers abdicate their God-given calling to be a husband, be a dad, and they find themselves in the same place as widows. And there's divorced women who men abdicate their role, and they find themselves feeling those same fears and that same 
just loneliness of what's going to happen in the future now that I've got to care for my life, my children's life, all by myself. So I pray for those of you who might find yourself in the category of win- widows, single moms, or divorced women. You might be asking yourself, is Restoration Road a church that cares for widows, single moms, and divorced women? The answer is an astounding yes. We're here for you because that's the gospel. People who are part of this church might ask yourself, are we going to be a church that cares for those who don't care for themselves? Do we care for widows and single moms and divorced women? The answer is an astounding yes. And what I want to ask you today is really ask yourself if you're contributing to this church family by making that happen. That we can be a church, a haven for the destitute. One of my dreams was starting Restoration Road. I was actually going to churches and I saw no single moms and it got me upset. I said, why is this? I never wanted to be a place that where we were like the plastic surgeon's office. You know what I mean? I don't want people coming, you know, I need to raise this eyebrow. You understand me? I need to be that person. I didn't want to be a plastic, like everyone had it together, but they just need a little, a little uh, chin tuck or eyebrow raised. I knew we were going to be an emergency room. You understand me? There are messed up people in this church. And I love every moment of it. And I was looking around and saying, I don't see single moms. Why am I in a church with the gospel of Jesus Christ where there were prostitutes around him being changed by the gospel of Jesus, where there are fishermen becoming apostles, where the poor were finding the kingdom of God, where the homeless, they were giving their lives to advance that gospel. Why are we in a church where we don't see anyone who needs the grace of God in their minds? I wanted this place to be with, full of single women. Not single women, come on. I want you to find a man, you understand me? A good godly man. Single moms, widows, and women who are going through a tough divorce. I want them to come here and say, listen, I'm not going to be looked down on on Restoration Road. I'm going to have a place of value where people look into my brokenness and they don't judge me and they say the gospel is true and we're going to care for you and see you restored, amen? That's the kind of church we need to be because that's the kind of church that shakes cities and towns and families and hearts. Not where everyone comes in and acts like they all have it together. Everyone who walks through that door, including the pastor preaching up here, does not have it together. Jesus had it together and we come to worship him, amen? That's what church is about. Now I want us to hear that today because... The Apostle Paul is revealing that to Timothy. So if you turn to 1 Timothy with me as we continue. It's going to be chapter 5, verse 3 through 16. You know, I've heard so many people ask me, you know, when I go to church, everyone seems so messed up there. And there. That's because there's only messed up people in the world. Everything else is illusion. It's only people who need a Savior and need the grace of God for their sins. And that's why the gospel is such great news. So verse 3, it says, Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God, And continues in supplication and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent 
is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his members, for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Okay, through this message, you're going to need to hear widows as single moms and divorced women. So when I say widows, please make that a whole category um, for us to rightly understand this. When the Apostle Paul is writing this, in 60 AD, if you became a widow, your life was, in many people's eyes, over. You'd lose your identity because your identity was found in your husband. You lose your way to make money. You had to worry about starvation and homelessness. Now, I'm sure many women who go through that, I cannot imagine the fear you go through when you're left in that destitute place. Now, I want you to hear most of all that God hears your cry, that God hears your cry, and he calls his church to care. So Apostle Paul is saying, in the household of God, if there are widows, they better be cared for by the church. It is your duty to care for widows. It is your duty to love single moms. It is your duty to care for divorced women. He says, command it. You know, too many times we have suggestions in church now. I met my buddy with my buddy, and he's going to a church that, in my opinion, preached a lot of great gospel. And he said, you know what? God didn't really give commandments. He gave suggestions. I said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? If you have to tell yourself that to... Tell yourself that to make it through the day. That's okay, but that's not reality. God commands stuff. He says, do this. He says, if there's widows in your church, you better be caring for them and loving them. And let me say a beautiful thing about Restoration Road. We're a young church, but we've given thousands of dollars away to widows, single moms, and divorced women. It's actually been one of my favorite things to do as a pastor of this church. Thousands of dollars. I've seen women cry as we gave them money to buy diapers and toys and pay for the heat. Me and Natalie getting hugged and just loved. I wish you could have been a fly or could be a fly on the wall to see all the women when they get that check and we, they say, no, many of them say, I don't want it. Don't give me this. And we say, you're getting this. And we give them that check and they weep. And they see the love of the gospel that comes through the church and it changes their life and it speaks the gospel in amazing, amazing, amazing ways. 
over and over again. One woman, we were able to give out a few checks this Christmas. She said, listen, I'm giving this amount of money. Please break it up among the single moms in the church. And I was able, I'm the one who gets all the joy, right? It's you guys who are making the huge contributions to that generosity. I'm passing out checks, getting the smiles and the tears like you know how we do. But it's you guys who are making that happen. And I pray that at the, over the next 30 years, it's hundreds of thousand dollars, if not millions of dollars, that we're able to give to widows, single moms, and divorced women to care for them as they get back on their feet and they follow Jesus. Amen? Let's be a church that's known for that. Because you know what the Pharisees were known for? The false prophets? The false religious leaders? The false pastors? Know what they were called? They were said to devour widows. Jesus said, you devour widows. You take advantage of women who are in the toughest time of their life. You want to get their money. You want to take advantage of them. You want them to praise you. Instead of giving to them, you're taking away from them and you're devouring the house of widows. We need to be the total opposite. We need when widows, single mom, divorced women see Restoration Road, they say, I'm going to be cared for there. I'm going to be loved there. And I'm not going to be judged there. You know, in our faith today, the way I believe that many churches and many Christians are straying towards error or immaturity, you might be able to call it, they don't understand or we don't understand that love has parameters, that God makes standards to follow even when it comes to financial giving. So some people might ask, listen, I know you out there, you're watching every penny. If we say we're going to give to all single women, this is going to place single women, goodness, single moms. If we say we're going to give single moms and divorced women and widows, this place is going to be packed with people wanting a handout, right? Just writing out checks here. Yeah, I preached the sermon. You might be like, what? That, people are going to take advantage of that. That's why Paul set standards. He said, don't just be writing out checks and giving out checks to everyone. That's not Christ-like. That's not Christian. That's not within love's parameters. See, some of us think love has no boundaries. That's not true. Jesus came. He was always giving lines. And Apostle Paul is saying, if you're going to give checks away, the women have to meet this standard as widows and single moms, divorced women, even before the church is giving out checks. Do you guys hear that? Because a lot of people don't understand that, and they're like, the only thing I can relate to is hippie love. You remember hippie love was like, there's no boundaries. I love you and you and you. Just come love. That is not love. That's an foreign love that's a mistaken love that's not a biblical love that's not a godly love what the enemy wants to do is tell you there's no boundaries with love and everything's love whatever you believe just believe it and make it and create it that's not christianity that is actually anti-gospel love has parameters and paul gives parameters even when he's given to widows do you guys hear me there's standards when it comes to that and they're high standards and I want to hit this point before we get into the standards. I think another big error we make is we run ourselves then financially by giving outside the local church. So when it comes to giving to the local church, it's so thin our giving that we're not able to care for widows the way we should. So we're like, 
And this is called people love to control their money. Can I get an amen? People love to control their money. That's why they're like, I'll give to the church, but you better put it in this category because I'm getting control. Or they say, I want to give to church. No, I'm going to give to this ministry and that ministry because I'm in control. So what happens is people give to all other things, and when they get to church, they grab the change and they drop the change in, and therefore we're not able to care for widows right. Listen to me. Too many televangelists have taken your money and hurt the local church. Do you guys hear me? Those guys do not need a gold-plated toilet bowl. They don't need that jet. They're not even that good. They don't need more of this stuff from you. The local church needs our money because they take care of widows and the broken and preach salvation in the town in real life. Don't listen to these charlatans that want to take your money because it runs your giving thin in the household of God and we need to care for the broken. And when we don't give, we can't set aside an intentional fund to care for widows. Most important, the mission, the most important mission team is the local church. You guys hear me? And I say this because Paul is saying, you need to, the church needs to make a fund for widows. Like you guys need to be so overflowing with generosity that you're putting a fund away to care for widows when God sends them our way so we can write them checks, so we can care for them, so we can buy diapers, so we can get them toys. So please hear me, there's charlatans all over the place and they're getting rich, man, I'm telling you. They're getting rich on your money saying that they're gonna prosper you if you bless them. Bless the local church. Listen to Jesus. He's no charlatan. He says, give to your local church so it can explode with generosity. How beautiful is it that we write so many checks that our fund for widows is overflowing and we're just passing out checks. Not only does that affect the women involved, imagine the sons like me who become pastors because of it. You don't see who you're affecting. I saw the church doing that and that changed my life. I said, that's something to give your life for. And that's why our generosity needs overflow because we need to make funds like this because the Apostle Paul says it. Okay, the first thing. If you're a widow, an important thing to the faith is many of us have families and maybe it's our mom and our dad dies. Do you know it's your biggest responsibility to take care of your mom? Some of us have sisters that all of a sudden they have that boyfriend we've been telling them leave for 17 years. And they finally break up, and they have three kids, and they're left alone. Do you know it's your responsibility to care for them? Maybe you're an older man, and your daughter got divorced, and she had a horrible husband. He was a serial adulterer, and she finds herself in a destitute place. Do you know it's your responsibility to help take care of your daughter? And if you don't do that, you know what the scriptures say? You deny the faith. That's steak dinner again, right? A family that does not take care of their own when they are in this horrible place denies the faith, and it says in Scripture, they're worse than an unbeliever. Because when you get the gospel of Jesus Christ, you step in to troubled waters. I saw you post that, Lydia. I like that. We go into the troubled waters, and you care for people of your own household. You care for them. It is your, our responsibility to care for widows in our family. We don't say, oh, they're so dramatic. Their drama, I'm not doing it anymore. Now, let me temper that. Let me temper that. I do not want you to get in an abusive relationship. There are certain situations you'll hear from the standards. If a woman is ungodly, if she's spreading gospel, um, gossip and slander and hurt, 
Even the scripture says, don't get in an abusive relationship, whether it's your mom, your sister, whatever, and provide for them and enable them to keep doing detrimental things. You guys hear that? But the general rule is, if they're God-fearing, loving, meet the standards, we care for widows in our own household because that spreads the gospel. Amen? It's a very important thing. Very important thing. So second, it says, only give financially to women who have godly character. Let me read the standards here. It says a woman in the scripture, she must have a reputation for good works. She must be known to raise her children to be hospitable and kind. And she must be a prayerful woman. So it says give to women who raise in, they're known for their good works, they're raising their children well, and they're prayerful women. You hear that right there, that godly character? And I'll tell you why the scriptures say this, I believe. Now it says, don't give to women. This is important. This is where a lot of people make the mistake and enable people. Just keep writing checks and giving money and enable people and hurting people. Do you know that can be detrimental when you enable someone who's not changing and keep giving them money? It says, don't give to women who are lazy, who are self-indulgent, and who are gossipers. Do you guys see the standards there? Most people say, that's not loving you give to everyone. No. No. If someone's lazy, self-indulgent, and is a gossip, don't be writing them checks. But if someone is known for good works and prayerful, give them checks because they're part of the household of God. Now, let's get to the why. Past why there's no lines. Why there are lines. If you enable people, they can be so destructive to your family, they can divide the whole thing. Do you guys hear that? If a woman's in the church who is a gossip, she's self-indulgent. When you're self-indulgent, you can't be a good mom. Self-indulgent moms can't be good moms because it's about you and not your kids. So if a woman is self-indulgent, she's a gossiper, it can give way to Satan to divide the church. Do you guys hear that? It says, don't give way occasion for Satan to slander. You know how families get divided? Gossip. You know how churches get divided? Gossip. I didn't like how he said there were no lines. I'm more loving than that. Right? I know some of you already did it. Just don't say it. No, you guys can talk through that stuff, of course. But gossip is a bad thing. All of a sudden, all of a sudden you start talking to different people, and that's how things get divided. So Paul is saying to Timothy, this is so serious that you don't allow pe- women and enable women to gossip that you shouldn't be writing them checks because they will stay around, be part of your family, and continue to destroy your family. Do you guys see the principle there? That's why Paul's saying this. And I, I just feel like some of you in your own lives, are you enabling people to stay in your life who are destroying your family? And if you are, God has given you a way out. See, what happens is you say, oh, I can't do that because I love them and this and that. If you love them, you will stop enabling them. Amen? If you love people, you stop enabling them. When you love yourself, you enable. See, when you love yourself, you want people to like and love you, and you would never want them to think bad of you, so you keep enabling them. When you love them more, you say, I don't care what they think about me. This is best for them, and we're going to do that. And so in the household of God, Give to women who have godly character because they're going to strengthen the health of God. 
while don't give to women who are hurting the house of God because that's detrimental and the enemy can actually get in there and divide. You guys hear the principles in that? Thirdly, give to women who serve the church. And we've been blessed. I'm telling you, our single moms, our divorced women, they are servants. They are absolute servants. I can't tell you how many times, and this blows my mind, I, I count the offering, and so I go through that and I get depressed as I count. <laughs> I count the offering, and the consistency of our single mom's giving blows my mind. Now, I know these women are struggling. I know they're having trouble paying their bills. I know all this stuff, and they're still writing an amount to the churchy week. And I'm like, it's so inspirational, it makes me want to cry as I count the money. I'm like, this is unbelievable. I can't believe it. We have single moms that are so consistent, and I know they're struggling. I know they have kids. I know they're in the hardest time in their life, but they're still giving every week, and that's what gives me the inspiration because I have to listen to whole families. I'm just being honest with you guys. Two households, two jobs, like, I don't know if I can give. I can't make it. I'm like, what? You don't know what it means to struggle. Do you guys hear me? What, you won't be able to go to Disney twice this year? We act like we're suffering and it's not suffering. I won't get that rim on the car I need if I write that check. It's so ridiculous. Then I see these women who in the toughest times writing checks every week. It's inspirational. They are model Christians. And that's what I want to happen. I'm going to get to that. But I want our widows, our single moms, our divorced women to be seen as model Christians who are following Jesus in the hardest time of their lives. And modeling Jesus. What does it say? Women have to serve the church well. They have to wash saints' feet. Can you imagine this? Could you imagine being a widow, toughest time of your life, and you're washing people's feet? They're caring for the afflicted. It said the single moms, forced women, widows, cared for the afflicted in the household of God. And so this I want you to hear. I want you to empathize with me for a moment. Not with me, but with widows. You're a woman, you're 63 years old. I'm trying not to use the age of anyone in here so you don't think I'm talking to you. You're 63 years old. Unexpectedly, your husband passes away. Now, I've thought through the anxiety. I got high cholesterol, so I think I'm going first. Natalie thinks she's going first. I don't know, I'm trying to eat a lot of cheese, man. Just make it happen. But... I know the anxiety of thinking, wow, to me, I don't know anyone who really loves someone. It's like, let me go first. The selfish part is like, let me go first so I don't have to go through the pain of losing and being alone. But the spirit part says, let them go first so I can deal with all that pain, right? Let me deal with the pain because I don't want my spouse to have to deal with that. But imagine being 63 years old, you lose your best friend, you lose the person who you have all the laughs with, all the memories with, all the joy with. Um, the one who even cared for you and provided for you felt protected when they were around. And you lose them. And instead of falling into self-pity, instead of being angry at God, you start serving the church and washing saints' feet. You start caring for the afflicted. You say, I'm not going to wallow in this. I'm not going to sit in this. I'm going to throw myself into loving people. 
Now imagine you're a single mom. You're a single mom. You, you met a person. You probably lived in sin. You had a few kids before. You shouldn't have done it, but God forgives you. And all of a sudden, the guy you were hoping gonna, you were going to marry, he takes off. And you're left with two children. You're left alone. You're in your 30s. You're saying to myself, what is my future going to be like? And instead of becoming self-indulgent, instead of wanting, well, my life is this and I'm the victim and all these kind of things, you say, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to raise my kids to be kind. These are women who are a model of what Jesus Christ is, and we should aspire to be like them. Amen? Imagine a divorced woman. You think you're going to spend your life with this man. This is the guy. You love him. You got the picture set up. This is going to be awesome. All of a sudden, you realize he's a serial adulterer. You get divorced. You find yourself in your 40s in a place where you feel you have to start all, all over again. You feel that people might look at you as damaged goods. Who will ever want to be with me again? What am I going to do? i got to provide. you got all that. Now, imagine, instead of being angry at God and doing all that, you start to serve people and give your life for people with everything you are. That's someone who's like Jesus. That's someone we should aspire to. That's someone we should raise, at, raise up as a model of Christianity in the household of God. Amen? You know, because Jesus did this. I want you to see the example in Scripture. What do you do with the widow's might? Everyone know that story? There was a widow who lost everything. She lost everything. She had nothing. She had two pennies left. Two pennies. He grabbed all his disciples and said, come over here. Disciples, he said, come and behold this. Come and observe this. He said, look at this woman as a model citizen of the kingdom of heaven. She said, she only has two pennies. And look what she does. She throws both pennies in the offering. She's a model of what Christianity is. Look at her. Aspire to be like her because she's like me. Amen? Do you guys see that? I want Restoration Road to be filled with women who are modeling Jesus in the toughest times of their life. Because when you become a widow, single mama, or divorced, that is the toughest time many people ever go through in their life. And all our women who find yourself in that situation, I applaud you. Right? Because you're still serving. Your family always claps with you. Because you're always, and Jacqueline, and Juliana. Because you're serving Jesus in the toughest time of your life. Is that amazing? Many people would have given up. Many people would have been self-indulgent. Many people have fallen to so many places. But you move on, and you serve God, and you model Jesus to all of us. And that's something to cheer for. That's something I want this house to be filled with. We all should aspire to that, because that's what Jesus did. In the toughest trial of his life. Enduring the cross. He endured it for you and me. And we need to follow that model. Amen? Let's pray.